We have a crisis in Silicon Valley around housing in general. I've tried to tell my peers, we live in an unsustainable community. And if you can't draw a line from a healthy community to the success of your business, then you're just missing it. So I think the whole systemic problem that we have, the whole thing's got to be dealt with. Hello and welcome to Cisco's Our Inclusive Future podcast. I'm Scott Harrison, the founder and CEO of Charity Water. And as someone who has spent the last 13 years reimagining how charity works, I'm thrilled to host this podcast that showcases people and organizations making positive change around the world. Today, we'll take a closer look at Destination Home, a nonprofit dedicated to ending homelessness in Santa Clara County, California. Destination Home has a unique model, believing that a public-private partnership is the way to permanently house Santa Clara County residents. I'm pleased to welcome Destination Home's Executive Director, Jen Loving, and San Jose Mayor, Sam Licardo, today. Hello and welcome. Hi, Scott. How are you? Nice to see you. It's nice to see you again. I know you're also working directly in partnership with the City of San Jose. And today, we're honored to have Mayor Sam Licardo with us. Uh, we, we know how busy you are. So can you just tell me a little bit about the relationship the City of San Jose has with Destination Home? As I understand it, the organization actually came out of this relationship. Actually, uh, Jen Loving came up with the uh, crazy idea of actually making people work together if we we're going to do something about homelessness. We had the county, the city, the housing authority, a lot of folks uh, all kind of tripping over each other. And uh, Jen believed it was pretty important for all of us to figure out how to swim in our own lanes and also to be working more collaboratively with the nonprofit sector and, and have a clear strategy. Uh, and so uh, what was born was Destination Home. And I, I think I was a board member for a little while and then they kicked me off because of conflict of interest or something with the city. So I was more of a cheerleader after that. And then when I became mayor, uh, uh, naturally, I had known Jen for a couple of decades and was thrilled to do whatever we could to continue to line up with her great work. You know, Sam, it's a city, right, that has a huge wealth disparity, right? The, the center of Silicon Valley, some of the, the richest zip codes in all of the state, if, if not the nation. Can you just talk a little bit about the, the issue of homelessness in the city? Sure. We have uh, more than 6,000 of our residents who sleep uh, outside in any given night. And throughout the county, the number is closer to 10,000. You know, those very wealthy zip codes you refer to tend to be outside my city and in the larger suburbs around the city, uh, like is the case in so much of America. But there's no question there's enormous disparity in every aspect and every part of our geography. And despite the fact we have, depending on your measure, the first or second highest per capita income in the big city in the country, uh, we have this very severe crisis of homelessness. And it has been with us for many years and it has only worsened. Uh, despite the fact that I think Destination Home and, and has been leading an effort that has been a model for many other regions throughout the country in terms of getting people housed and more recently in the last couple of years preventing people from becoming homeless, uh, we're still seeing the problem expand. And with COVID, I think we all expect it will not get better. Yeah, Jen, maybe I can ask you, how has COVID changed your work? How's the dynamic changed you know, during this crisis? You know, I mean, I think on a personal level, there's been a lot of grieving because we have been really trying to make progress. And we knew that every one person that we're able to get off the streets two to three times as many people are becoming homeless every month. Like that's something that has been going on for, for years. And so 
that's why, as the mayor mentioned, we've really gotten into the prevention business, right? Which is logical. And so I think anything that was sort of working well before is working better and anything that was not working well before is worse, you know? And it's, it's just really highlighting uh, whatever the, the challenges are. But when it comes to homelessness, you know, when we um, rightly uh, shut the economy down in a matter of days, tens of thousands of people here lost all their income. I mean, imagine like switching off every light in your house. It was like your gig job and your catering job and your restaurant job and your Uber driving and everything just shut. And so we already have such massive income inequality. What that looks like is then we have people that are paying 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% of their income on rent, right, already. And then losing all of that income, it's catastrophic. And actually, it was Sam and I, the mayor and I were on the phone together. This was more than eight weeks ago that it was very early. And we were talking and I said, I, we need to raise a huge pot of money to be able to combat what's going to happen. And, and the mayor rightly said, Jen, you're going to raise all the money you want. You're not going to raise enough because the eviction crisis is just going to be just catastrophic. So what if we raise a pot of money and we do an eviction moratorium, we do these things together. And so the mayor was actually the first city in America to move on an eviction moratorium to keep people from being immediately uh, displaced or evicted from their homes. And now there's like a national moratorium. But but mayor, I remember, I mean, Sam, it was like Saturday night late and you and I had this conversation and you had that moratorium going by Monday morning. And then I think that same weekend we talked to Chuck Robbins, the CEO of Cisco, and we just agreed that we are going to get into this together. And we talked to our partner, Cindy Chavez at the county, and the four of us started raising money. and. Sam and, and this county of Santa Clara started working on eviction moratoriums. And I think that to some degree is why we have managed to hold on as long as we have, because we were really the first community to be shut down by the pandemic. Yeah, and, and Jen should take all the credit on this one, because as she often does, she comes up with ideas that I think are crazy. And then a couple of days later, I realized they're probably really good ideas. <laughs> and so she, she talked about raising all this money. I thought, gosh, it sounds like a really impossible task but uh now we're well into this and because jen and really chuck robbins's incredible generosity and and nudging a lot of other ceos to step up i think we're 26 or 27 million dollars into this fund and obviously more much more needs to be done but it's been really impressive to see how it's come together so quickly well you mentioned that partnership between cisco and destination home and and the city what else is needed? You know, it sounds like, okay, more people need to step up. How can they step up? What, what's needed right now? Well, if you're in Silicon Valley, uh, we'd love for anyone to go online to SiliconValleyStrong.org. Uh, you can give easily right on that website. Uh, we just want a simple one-stop shop for anyone who wants to either give help or get help. So we have lots of information there and people can volunteer. Also, we've got more than 3,000 volunteers who are out there distributing food, more than almost 3 million meals a week right now is what we're distributing and with a lot of partners. And then obviously uh, the donations are used through this program that, that Jen had actually launched a couple years ago in partnership with a dozen nonprofits where they were just focused on how can we get money into the hands of families right before they get their notice of eviction so that we can bridge that job loss or that health setback that caused the loss of income and enable them to stay housed. What we discovered a couple of years ago when they launched this, because you know we're, 
as Jen was describing, we were getting people housed and we were still seeing homelessness grow. So really the idea was, let's see if we can stop the outflow. So that what they discovered through this program was with a relatively modest amount of funds, maybe $4,100 per family, 95% of those families were staying housed a year later. And so dramatic impact with relatively modest amounts of money. So they basically took that same model and then expanded it for this effort so with really many of the same nonprofits that are deeply engaged in the community and helping folks be able to keep the wheels on. You mentioned permanent housing. I know that's, uh, that is the, the end goal. Could just both of you maybe share a story of, of what it's like when someone moves into permanent housing? Like how, how is that love changing? Or I could read this to you, but it's kind of long, but there was a, I, somebody texted us a post from Reddit. Sam, I don't know if you saw this, but a, uh, an anonymous user on Reddit wrote a post and, and it's titled, I could be moving into my apartment this week. And she says, for those of you who are not familiar, I'm homeless and disabled. I've been on the streets of San Jose since 2015. I currently live in a tent under a freeway overpass. In February, I got the call that everyone on the street dreams about telling me I would be getting housing. It's been a longer process because of the pandemic, but today my caseworker handed me the deposit for my apartment and the apartment manager says, if everything goes smoothly, I can be in this apartment by the end of the week. So, and she goes on and I don't have to read the whole thing, but the point is that she ends it with, I can't express how grateful I am to be given this gift. I feel like I've been given the possibility of life, a life that could be more than just a struggle and survival. I recognize the value and the rarity of this gift and I will not squander it. She didn't write this for us, right? But this is like, that is exactly what we have seen thousands and thousands of people go through. And Scott, I know you know because of what you do, but like we don't understand how this most basic right, this most basic dignity, the absence of that is like the tipping point for everything else. You don't have a dress, you don't have a place to get clean, you don't have a place, all the things that you take for granted and safety, especially being a woman on the streets. And so, you know, people say all the times, oh, you saved our lives. It's like people saved their own lives. They did their own work. They got themselves out. But we should not live in a nation that makes it so hard to do the most simple thing. There is no real reason. There is no real reason that this country does not provide enough deeply affordable housing, except that we don't have the political will and we prioritize other things and decades of systemic racism and other things about the way that we vilify people that are poor has contributed to this narrative um, that we tell ourselves that this is acceptable, but literally it's all man-made. You know, we talk about, oh, it's so much money, but people here in this valley buy and sell apps, apps that like move frogs from one lily pad to another for billions of dollars, you know? And so it's really a matter of priorities, right? And so that's what we miss. And that frankly is what Chuck and Cisco has given us because Sam and I, we've worked together for 20 years. It's true, Sam. And, you know, because a fun story was Sam was a volunteer tutor at a homeless shelter I was running. Uh, he came once before he was in politics. He came once a week, tutored those kids faithfully every single day. And so that's anyways, that's Sam and I first met. But we have tried forever to engage the private sector in what is a real meaningful way, a real meaningful partnership. We've been trying to do that for decades, but it was not until Cisco that that really did change 
it changed what was possible. It changed the conversation locally, and it has brought a lot more partners and revenue and opportunities to the issue, not just to destination home, or, you know, to the city, but to solving this problem. Absolutely. And, you know, within probably 18 months of that announcement, Chuck Robbins, we just saw the dominoes of Google's and, and Apple's and, and Salesforce and so many other companies step up in big ways. And it was really just breaking the ice that, you know, that Chuck did it in that way that was so incredibly powerful. And so authentically, you know, I think Cisco doesn't understand how cool they are in some ways because they don't do it. It's never about like the PR or like their people will say to me, what does Cisco make you do? It's like they don't, you don't mean nothing, you know, like it's, there's such a humility that's involved with the company, these values. And I think that those are legacy values that the corporation has, but are definitely part of the profile of, of Chuck and, and in his role. And he really leads, I mean, you know, Sam will attest for the first month or so of COVID, that guy was talking to us every day, <laughs> you know, trying to remove barriers, trying to solve problems, trying to figure things out. I've talked to him twice today, like he is in this. And uh, I'll tell you that emotionally and psychologically, there's no way to put a price on that because this has been extremely difficult. This has been an extremely difficult couple of months. And to feel like you have the support of people. There was a night, and Sam, I don't know if you know this, but um, the county said, we need 10,000 face shields. We don't know what to do. This is like six weeks ago. And I said, Chuck, this county needs 10,000 face shields. He's like, hold on. He comes back. We're printing them. Like, like that kind of like quick, responsive problem solving has just been, uh, I just, there's not enough words. It's fantastic. You know, I, I, I mean, hearing both of you talk, it sounds like this is a moment where these public-private partnerships are needed more than ever. Maybe just a, a little bit of kind of the current fundraising climate. I mean, the, the need is greater, right? The, the work that you've been doing, I mean, you're, you're, you're tackling a huge problem already, thousands and thousands of people. Well, that's now been exacerbated by this. But there's probably a sense or a little bit of a, a dread maybe even that some of the funding might dry up. So is, is this a moment where people can really step up both individually or by getting their small business involved, uh, their corporation involved, volunteers? Like you need more of all of it now, not less, right? And yeah, you're right, Sky. I mean, I, I made plenty of calls in the last several weeks to CEOs who said, well, we're furloughing employees, we're laying folks off, but okay, I'll give you something. <laughs> and, and we know that that's probably the last dollar you're going to see for a long time if an organization is is struggling that much. Uh, it is really uh, the moment, I think, for those of us, and I consider myself among those very lucky folks who are still getting a paycheck, to step up individually as much as we can and really support those organizations we care about in our own communities. You know, the reality of what people live on here and try to survive um, is already so horrifying that, believe it or not, a $500 or $1,000 is monumental right in this interim sort of time period between them being able to go back to work money to me is the first order we're not we're putting a hundred percent of everything that comes into us directly into this financial assistance effort that we've been running um volunteers are secondarily critical and i'd say that sam's direction to siliconvalleystrong.org is right because that has been the catch-all for the volunteers from all of our partners, whether it's delivering food, meals on wheels for vulnerable seniors, you know, passing out supplies, you know, all the different things because the nonprofit sector normally runs on a pretty significant volunteer base. 
And again, same concept as the light switch within minutes, days, you know, like all the volunteers have disappeared and that's rightly so. They all went to shelter in place, but that didn't mean that the work disappeared. So Sam is volunteering and I am everyone who's kind of left outside, <laughs> right, has been picking up all these different crazy jobs because you know, it's it's that time when the work is worse and the response is less. And that's kind of what happens in situations like this. But uh, the suffering for people, if you're outside right now, if you're in an encampment right now, normally you have a library. Normally you have access to food and supplies and other things through volunteer sort of missionary type work. You have access to day centers where you can charge your phone, electrical outlets. All of that is shut down. And so we have been providing solar chargers to the camps, trying to figure out food chain supply. Sam, I mentioned this earlier, but like the, the encampments don't have, they can't access water right now. So how do we move large amounts of water down into the camps? Because the normal way of, believe it or not, sort of surviving in kind of a horrific way is uh, just exponentially harder right now. But on the other side of that, what I'll say is in, uh six weeks the with all of these sort of with the landscape being as challenging as it is the city and the county teams 10 mass shelters hundreds of hotel rooms everybody who's covid positive that's a homeless person is in isolation already that's been true for like a month there's a hotline and everyone who calls this hotline is getting a referral to either a shelter or, or a motel not everyone wants to stay in a shelter so people are turning it down but that's not because the supply doesn't exist and that whole infrastructure was stood up by the governmental partners in days and i have been a part of that effort this whole time and i have watched um, opening up new shelters, mass shelters, especially in a pandemic, I think it's been some of the hardest work that any of us have ever done. And um, yet there are shelters all over. And Sam, that's your team. It's been really incredible. Yeah, we've been very blessed to see uh, just how incredibly well that the teams work together. Uh, city, county, nonprofits, more than 1,400 people have been moved off the street. 400 of them, by the way, into permanent housing in that time. Uh, and now we are actually beginning new construction on new prefab modular housing for uh, to enable for transitional housing as well for for homeless. And because we're able to move with an emergency and get a lot of the red tape out of the way, uh, we're building projects in four weeks that might take us four years. Uh, so we have an opportunity in this crisis to actually do something about the inventory of affordable housing. Well, I, I know how busy both of you are. Jen, I know you've been working seven days a week. Now, this has been an incredibly difficult time for you and and Sam. Just I, I know how committed you are to, to the communities and the people that you serve. So I guess let me make the, the final appeal. Anybody listening, if you can offer assistance, it's needed now. Uh, you know, these these partnerships are, in this case, decades long. You've got people that are working together, that are collaborating, that are communicating at a time like this and and there's they need help so you know if, if you're able to help you know if you've got a roof over your head if you've got a paycheck coming in if you have a refrigerator that's full of food you know there's so many people that don't have those things and and need them now yeah more than ever so thank both of you uh huge thanks for your time for your amazing work for your collaboration for your partnership uh, we, we can't wait to see uh the good that comes out of this and i know things as they return you know, there, there are going to be more and more stories of hope, more and more stories 
of people being served moved into permanent housing. Uh, hopefully more Reddit strings that you can find an anonymous person uh, that was helped by Sam, your team, or, or Jen, your team. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation with San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo and Destination Home Executive Director Jen Loving. You can learn more about Destination Home and Silicon Valley Strong in our show notes. And as a reminder, please subscribe to our Inclusive Future podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.